0: Hey guys, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tammy's Tambourines. Have you ever been to a Pentecostal church and were looked down upon because you brought a colorful, moon-shaped plastic tambourine to the service? Well, you no longer have to feel the guilt and shame of those embarrassing situations. Introducing the classic Pentecostal by Tammy's Tambourines. The shell is made from pure gopher wood and sealed with pitch developed in Jerusalem. While the skin is taken from a spotless goat or lamb and seasoned by the fire for 40 days and 40 nights, the jingles, or zills as they're known to the experienced tambourinist, are made of pure silver representing redemption, which is why you're beating that tambourine in the first place. Stop being the target of condescending glances and vaguely worded Facebook posts from Sister Dance Team and purchase your classic Pentecostal tambourine today. For more information, or to buy your tambourine, see Sister Tammy in the lobby on the third Sunday of the month. Because of her new work schedule at Hobby Lobby, it's the only time she can make it. You're listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what is up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you on the podcast again today, and uh, I'm excited for this one. Got some good, good feedback already from Instagram interesting to hear people's thoughts. I put it out today. I was coming back from getting a haircut and, um, I was, I put it on my Instagram story. The question, maybe you saw it already on should church musicians and singers be paid? And, um, I wanted to hear, and I put the little poll on there for Instagram and, um, I wanted to hear, you know, what people's thoughts were. In fact, I was going to check that. I didn't, I haven't checked it lately just to see, I wanted to see where it was at. Um. Wow. Yeah. Looking at the, I'm looking at the, uh, the data now and um, 70% of you up to this point, it's been up for three hours. 70% of you believe that church musicians and singers should be paid and 30% Believe they should not be paid. That's by, uh, obviously you saw that from the title. That's what today's podcast for Worship Wednesday is uh, on. Should church musicians and singers be paid, or should they do it um, as volunteers from the goodness of their heart, or in in you know in their attempt to serve the Lord with their gifts and talents? I want to get into that today. It's not as simple as a yes or no question because there are several different things that I want to discuss. On the podcast. But before we jump in, let me quickly say, uh, as we are doing Worship Wednesday today, that we have Worship Summit, our annual worship conference, coming up in May, May the 7th through the 10th. We would love to see you guys there. Uh, It's right there in Margate, Florida, right outside of Fort Lauderdale at Abundant Life Church, May the 7th through the 10th, 2019, Worship Summit, 18 free sessions. And then on the Friday night, as you know, we're recording a live album, doing a live concert. We want you to be a part of that as well. Uh, it's absolutely free to register. doesn't cost you a thing to come to the conference other than your travel and stay. However, we are doing two very special VIP sessions and including lunch on both of those days. Uh, for only $99. And we're going to do some behind the scenes teaching, some question and answer stuff. Uh, Myself, Minister Reese, Miss Jenya, we're going to be doing some uh, really, really amazing stuff that'll be very practical for teams, um, musicians and singers and worshipers in the church. So if you'd like to do that, uh, you can even get the VIP sessions right on the website and register for those as well. Um, But the website is southeastworship.com check it out. We have all the answers to your frequently asked questions. Everything you need to know is on the site and we would love, love, love to see you there. We already have had a bunch of people registering for the conference and uh, we haven't even hit 2019 yet, but it is going to be a killer four days. In South Florida and you're not going to want to miss it. So I want to encourage you guys to check that out today. As soon as you get done with the podcast and register, come hang with us. You don't have to be a musician. You don't have to be a singer, but uh, literally this year we're including things for sound men, tech teams, lighting, all that stuff. But Also, last year we had people that were just believers, that were worshipers, that wanted to go deeper in the study and understanding of praise and worship it's for you too. So uh join us it's going to be phenomenal. But let's jump into this today because man this is a huge thing right now in a, in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what got me thinking about this. And of, of course for those of you you may not know who I am um if you're listening and you're new to the podcast or maybe you found us online somehow um I was a music director also for man I would say a good 17 years of my life, I started directing music and and leading praise and worship teams at the age of 16. And um, that was 20 years ago. So I've been doing that for well over, you know, 18 years. I'm not, I'm not a music director anymore, but um, so I've seen a ton of different things in the church environment, a ton. And one of the things that became extremely popular And I was really introduced to this fully when I moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia to help my uncle, uh, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, um, as he was launching Dominion Christian Center there. Um, One of the things that I I was introduced to um, are these guys that we call weekend warriors. That's what I call them anyway, weekend warriors. And what these guys did, now obviously, if you know the church landscape in America, the average church in America, according to... Uh, recent reports has dropped from eighty members on a Sunday to sixty members on a Sunday. So, uh, the average church in America is very small. The mega church is, you know, a tiny, tiny percentage of the churches in America. I mean, if you have, you know, if you have a thousand people in your church, you are in the top one, one, one percent. You know, something like that, like the top one of the top one percent uh, of churches in America. That's very, very rare, but. What you end up having is these churches that have 60 or 80 people in them that really don't necessarily have the resources to pull from in the congregation to get great, you know, um, worshipers or players or singers or whatever. And so many of them uh, who value worship and praise anyway, they depend on bringing somebody in to help them do their worship. Um, and what you'll end up seeing is this, and it's what I saw that, that got me thinking about this, is that you have these guys that are phenomenal players. I mean, literally, they are, they're very good players. Um, and, and, you know, many times they hang out at Guitar Center, you know, or whatever, some music store, because they want somebody to come through Guitar Center and hear them in the keyboard room jamming on the keyboard, playing every chord they've ever learned in the history of their life so that somebody will discover them in the church world and ask them to come and play Sunday morning at their service and pay the money to do it. And so this is pretty common. You have, and I knew multiple guys that did this. You had guys that um, once the keyboard that had a sequencer in it, this is a lot of um, technical praise and worship leader, musician talk right here. So I'll explain it, break it down. Um, Basically you have these keyboards that a sequencer is like a mini recording studio inside of a keyboard. So you can record and save like tracks and songs into the keyboard hard drive, or you could put a thumb drive into the back of the keyboard and save those things you've created um, on the thumb drive. And it can be loaded up for a service or whatever, like a playlist for a service. So what these guys would do, many of them that I knew, is that they would um, travel around uh, to multiple churches in the city and they would go in and they would, uh, program their keyboards, you know, their, their Korg Tritons or whatever they had, they would program all these songs for their Sunday morning and ask, you know, I'll do this for you. Pay me, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. And so you have these guys that would go in and do that and make their money doing that. And then you'd have the other guys too, that would find every, I mean, I was like amazed to see this, how this would work there would be these guys that were looking for quote unquote church gigs and they would find every church that was willing to pay them a hundred bucks to sit in on a service and play, you know, keyboard for their service or whatever, be the MD. So you might, you might find a guy and they didn't care what, I mean, literally they didn't care what kind of church it was. They didn't care where, what it was or, you know, whatever, as long as the money was there, they were there. So you've got these guys that they're finding the, um, the church that does the eight thirty a.m. service, you know, and they'll they'll run over there and be there for the eight thirty a.m. and then they'll pack their their kit up quickly. The backpack goes back on the back, and they're out the door to catch the other church that does the ten thirty uh, a.m. service. And then when the ten thirty a.m. service is done, they they're out. And they're looking for the you know, the Kojic church that has the 1230 to one o'clock service. And they're running to the one o'clock service. And then at night, they're looking for the church that has the 7 p.m. service. And many of them can now find the church that has the Saturday night service. So if you play your cards right, and I'm talking about from their perspective, if you play your cards right, you can hit it up to where on a Saturday night and a Sunday all day, you can pull in 500 to 1000 dollars playing for churches. You know, depending on what the church is willing to pay you, some can only pay you 100 bucks, some can pay you $250. You know, if you're doing everything, leading the choir, band, singing, you might make $500 a service. You know, if you're if you're one of these guys. So we had these weekend warriors that were running all over the place in order to make money playing uh their instrument and, you know, it's, it's, they look at it like it's, it's another gig. It's a church gig. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional musician that's making my living gigging at churches, you know, and what better place to do it? Cause I'm sure they justify in their mind. Hey, you know, I am a Christian and I'd rather use my talent for the church than I would like playing some bar somewhere or, you know, a bar band or something doing, doing something at a club or DJing at a club or whatever else they may be doing. I'm sure they say, you know what, this is way better. Because, you know, I'm in the house of God, I'm using my gift and my talent for God and not the world. So, you know, it's better this way, but they've become, you know, professional musicians that are just gigging at churches. And let me stop here and say, it's pretty big deal uh, to understand this is that church is a very interesting environment because it has provided an outlet for young musicians to be developed, young singers to be developed that if you think about it where else are you going to have the opportunity to learn how to play an instrument you know in a band setting to learn how to flow with a band flow with singers um you know train your ear you know all this other stuff where else at the age of 14 and 13 and 12 you know are you going to learn how to play an instrument and become proficient in that instrument week after week after week, multiple times a week. What other outlet, you know, is going to allow you to do that? You know, there's no you're not going to be able to like put a band together and just be every week. I mean, who's going to book you? You know, you know what I mean? Who's going to book you and your band at 13 years old every single week, twice a week to play so that you can get better and better and better and better until you become masterful at your gift. There's nowhere else that's going to do it. So church is a very interesting environment because it produces the largest amount. I mean, I'm sure I don't, I don't have a statistic for this. So this is me, like my opinion, but I mean, I can back it up by guys I've seen all over the world. Church produces probably the largest amount of professional musicians that go into the industry. Because if you look at all these guys that play, even on tour, you know, I thought it was very interesting. You know, I was um, I I was watching Netflix not long ago, and Justin Timberlake had when he did his 2020 album, the first and second part of it, and was doing the 2020 tour around the world. The final show of the 2020 tour, I think they did it in Las Vegas, and they produced it as like a documentary style concert style film for Netflix. And, uh, I think it's probably still on there if you, if you look at it, but I, what was some, something very interesting to me, I was watching it and I was watching the beginning of the Netflix special on Justin Timberlake. And as I was watching it, he's coming into the venue, you know, he's getting there early. They're going to do sound check. They're going to do all that they're doing. And the, whoever's running the documentary, the producer or the director, I should say, is going around to the band who's getting their instruments ready. And they're talking to all of them. What's it like being on tour with Justin and blah, 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 all these different things. And each one of these guys and girls, as they're talking to them, I'm like, man, I turned to Carolyn. I was like, these guys, like you hear them talk. I was like, people that aren't Christians don't talk like that. I was like, you know, I'm listening to these guys answer questions to the director or whoever's behind the camera. And I'm like, dude, these guys all sound like Christians, you know? And I'm like, man, that's insane. Because I mean, who... You know, you ask them like, you know, how is it? What's it like? Tony, you're like, well, I'm just so thankful, you know, for my gifts and my talents. It's like, it's like very churchy answers that they're giving. Like, man, these guys sound like Christians. I'm telling Carolyn. And then it was insane to me that before they go out on stage, they show this in the Netflix doc, documentary. Before they go out on stage, they're in the back room and they're all joined in a circle with Justin, <laughs> literally with Justin. And they've all got their, their hands are joined in a circle and they're praying. They're literally praying in the back, you know, thank you for our, Lord, for our gifts and talents and abilities. And it was like, they're, they're all praying. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, Justin got himself a whole crew of dudes from church that have all probably come up playing in the church of God in Christ or Pentecostal churches, church of God, whatever. And phenomenal players. I mean, you can't argue the guys that he's got. Um, on his crew are like the top of the top. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal players, and um, I'm like, dude, these guys are all from church. And you look, you look throughout um, the industry at all these different people that came up in church, started in church, had church experiences. You know, Whitney Houston, Jamie Foxx. You go, you can go through the list. I mean, Steve Harvey. You know, I know he's not like a, necessarily a singer, but I mean, like these guys who have church experience they came up in church where else are you going to find the opportunity that week after week you can use your gift and your talent and be developed and become proficient church that's why church is such an amazing thing and that's why it produces so many people because not only do you get the opportunity to engage with your gift and your talent But if you're in a church, obviously, that that values the anointing, a church that's Pentecostal, full gospel church, you also are getting an impartation of the anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, gives you an advantage over others. It just does. I mean, I, I can't, there's no way to get around that. When you are anointed, you have an advantage. If you're tweeting, if you're Facebooking, if you're Instagramming, You should put that out today. If you are an anointed, you have an advantage. If you are anointed, you have an advantage. And it's interesting how even King David, when he went into the court of King Saul, you've heard me talk about it many times. And the Bible says that King Saul's mind was troubled by an evil spirit. But when David, I love this, David didn't sing. He just simply played his harp. Didn't have to sing because there was such an anointing just on his playing that it drove that evil spirit out of the court of King Saul. When you're anointed, you have an advantage. No question about it. And you look at these guys who have had, and girls that have had these opportunities. But here's the sad thing to me. The sad thing to me, and I'm gonna talk about this too, because it's not just the fault Of those that are players, it's the fault of leaders, in my opinion. And and I'm going to get into this. This might make make some people upset, but I think it needs to be said. I think it clearly needs to be said that there is an element missing in many of these churches that causes people to go and leave church. We dealt um, this week on Monday on the podcast with um, is it really right for Christians to be rich? Is it really right? for Christians to be rich. And there's a stigma in the body of Christ where people have treated, uh, success or money or, or wealth as though it's wrong. You know, that if you have that or experience that, or if you're going after that, then you are greedy or somehow you're carnal, blah, blah, blah. And people won't, you know, leaders are, uh, have backed away from teaching on the blessing of the Lord. They won't teach about it because there's controversy and there's persecution that goes along with that message and many just don't want to deal with it. But you know what happens is as a result is that there's people in the church that, you know, have talents and gifts, but because the leadership won't teach them that you can use your talents and gifts for the Lord and God will bless you abundantly that they feel like in order to be blessed no matter and i'm not just talking about musicians anymore any gift or talent anybody has they feel like if they're going to be blessed they have to do something secularly and they'll leave the church and use their gift elsewhere because somebody told them if you have success with that if you have you know if you have um you know if you if you become successful or, or your gift brings you wealth or brings you a, an abundance it's wrong you know it's it's wrong so people leave the church And they sell their soul to the devil to get money because they didn't have leaders that told them you could be blessed, that you can be blessed. And it's, it's ridiculous. That's, it's how that happens. But then on the other flip side of that coin is that you have people like I was talking about a moment ago that feel like that their gift allows them to demand from churches that they be paid or demand one thing or another. And it's funny to me because, um, (laughs) I love how these people that like demand payment for their services from a church will then go and be like, you know, but you know, you know, here's my thing. I use my gifts and talents for the Lord. It's like, uh, no, you don't. You make people pay you for them. And at that point, you're not giving anything to the Lord. You're not volunteering your time or your services. You're not, you're not giving anything to God. It's not your reasonable service. You're not blessing the Lord with your gift and your talent. What you're doing is you're making people pay you for your gift, which is now you're just doing a job and being paid for it. You know, by the way, you don't even have to be thanked for doing what you're doing because the payment itself is thanks. It's like I don't have to come to you afterwards like, oh, thank you so much for coming. No, that was what the check was for. When I handed you the $250 check because you did Sunday morning, that was the thanks. You know, it's, it blows my mind that people have this mindset in our generation. And let me tell you, if you've not been in this environment, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And let me just say, um, I want to, I want to just give a heads up and say thank you to all the guys that I have worked with. Because I I made up my mind a long time ago, I refuse to work with anybody, anybody who has an ego, who has a bad spirit or a bad attitude that is demanding because what ends up happening, and we'll talk about it in a minute, is it bleeds into the worship. It bleeds into the praise. There's not a pure spirit on the platform and it bleeds over. And it affects the unity, and it affects the power of your praise. You know, it affects all of that. So the guys that I've kept around me for like over a decade, you know, Brad Strobel, who plays the drums uh, whenever we go out, Pastor John Grimsley, who is one of the most phenomenal bass players I've ever heard in my life, the elder deacon Tim Adams. (laughs) On the, uh, on the electric guitar, phenomenal player, absolutely phenomenal player. Uh, Carlos Zayas that plays congas and bongos uh, on the road. I mean, these guys, all of them, all of them uh, have phenomenal spirits. They're not demanding. They're not these guys that come in with an ego. Some of the most humble guys, you know, unassuming, unassuming guys that you'll ever meet, but come in and completely have the ability and talent to slay it. But they're like, I'm not coming unless you give me such blah, 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 blah. And how many people are, I'm not going to come and do your thing unless I can have this certified check. And if if my check's not certified by a bank and if I don't get it a moment before I step on the platform, we won't be stepping on the platform. It's like there, you think I'm exaggerating. There are people that if I said their name, that's what they're like behind the scenes. I've had pastors tell me, you know, the church world's a very small world. It's not a large world everybody knows everybody. So I've had pastors, you know, if I named these people that are like big names in the worship, um, environment, you know, in the the worship world, you'd know their name, their CDs are out, but I've had pastors tell me, listen, I had them in to do worship at our church and I was so happy they came and, you know, um, they showed up. I went out to greet them at the car." They stepped out and I said, oh, so happy to have you here. Thank you for coming, or coming to our church to bless our people. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting us into your schedule. And the first word out of the person's mouth was, where's my check? Where's my bank certified check? And, and quickly let the pastor know, uh, me and my team will not be playing one note or singing one note until you give me my bank certified check. Oh, wow. Thanks. Should we also bow down and kiss your sandals? Should we ask you to live in our heart also? It's like ridiculous. What in the world? These people, and and listen, on the other side of that, trust me, I understand the business of it. I understand that people get burnt. I understand that there's cheap Christians and cheap leaders that are doing, you know, doing the least that they possibly can to bless people. And that's what turns these people into this kind of, uh, uh, you know, of an operation. I get all that. But at the same time, then don't say, you know, well, I'm just so happy to be, you know, just giving my gifts and talents to the Lord and doing it for him. You're being paid to do a job. It's not like you you came into your local church, you know, and you're giving your gifts and talents to the local church. It's like, wow, he really loves the Lord. He, You know, he'd take, because this is what I want to show you the dichotomy of these two things. Okay. So, so number one, look at this with me. You've got the singers and the musicians that demand you know, payment or from their church or whatever church they may be going to. Like I said earlier, it could be five different churches in a weekend. That's one side of it. So so musicians and singers who won't do anything until they're paid. And that's not the same thing as music, musicians and singers that are being faithful at their churches and their churches decide to pay them. That's a whole nother ballgame altogether. Now, let me just just get this out of the way. I'm not talking about, I just want you guys to know this because there will be people that are listening to the podcast today. You are on staff at your church as the music director. I am not talking to you. I'm not talking to people who their home church hired them to be on staff And they are the music director and do other things in the church and they're on salary. I'm not talking to you because you are somebody who uh, have attached yourself to your local church and you are where God's called you to be and you're working a job. That's your actual full-time job and they're paying you for your work. I'm not talking about that because anybody that's been on staff at a church knows that there's no such thing as a job in a church that's compartmentalized there. I mean, unless you're at some kind of a massive church that has tons of staff, you know, you know, as well as I do that anybody that's a youth pastor that's on staff at a church, anybody that's a music director, that's not all you're doing. You know, if you're the youth pastor, if you're the music director, whatever else you may do, title you may hold, your jobs bleed over into tons of different areas um, that have nothing to do with music direction, have nothing to do with youth pastoring. Um, anyway, pretty much anyone understands that when you're on staff at a church, you just do what needs to be done to fulfill the vision of, of the church that you're on staff or a part of. So I, that you're not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to these people who feel that somehow the church world owes them for their gift. Now, here's the downside of this. We've engendered that feeling we've encouraged that feeling because we've got churches all over America by the way that are willing to pay these people willing to pay them i'm not vilifying you i'm not saying you're wrong i'm not saying that you're you're a horrible leader if you're paying musicians to be at your church i want you to think about this today because here's what here's why i want you to think about it what type of atmosphere are you trying to produce in your church? And I just want to give you some of my experiences because here's what ends up happening many times is that you've got people. Now, I'll say this. We all want excellence and we expect excellence and we know God expects excellence. So obviously we're doing everything we can to um, bring an excellent presentation of the gospel to people. But I wrote this in my recent book, Unhang Your Harp. And by the way, shameless plug, if you haven't gotten on unh- on hang your harp yet, you can go to our website shop.miracleword.com and you can order a copy or hundreds of copies if you'd like to be a blessing to people in your city. In the book, which is on the power of praise and worship and how it opens the door to every blessing God set aside for you. I write about that fact and I talk about that because we need to start understanding something very clearly is that your gift and your talent is given to you by God. It's given to you by God. He's the one who put that talent and gift in your life. So if we think that we can take a gift or a talent from God and then not produce with it or like choose when we produce with it, then, you know, we have a problem. Because if you look at Matthew chapter 25, You'll see the picture of the master giving gifts and talents to three, three of his servants. One got five, one got two, one got one, and the five and the two, they doubled theirs and turned it into 10 and four. But the one who had one buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, the Bible says that he found out what his servant had done with his gift, buried it in the ground. And he said, you wicked servant. So understand the master looked at that as the you know the non-development or the burying of your gift as wicked buried it it was wicked so god looks at that when he puts a gift or a talent in your hand and you don't produce with it it's a wicked thing to hold back what god's given you so, look, for example, if he's anointed you to sing, if he's anointed you to play, if he's anointed you to do sound, if he's anointed you to do lighting, whatever it is that you have a gift or a talent in to bury that gift or to choose to not produce with it for whatever reason, including I'm not getting paid, is evil. It's God anointing you for purpose and you saying the purpose is not enough. Now, trust me, I am not not trying to vilify these leaders or churches that do pay because, uh, and what I was going to get ready to say to you is I wrote this in the book. I've been in church services before where every person on the platform was a studio musician, literally studio musician, phenomenal players. And the excellence, the overall quality of the worship service was through the roof, but I didn't feel a strong anointing on the worship. On the other hand, (laughs) <laughs> I've been in some country churches where people, I mean, people weren't even hitting the right keys on the keyboard. You know, tempo was all over the place. Harmonies were all over the place. You know, the I mean, even the lead singer, flat or sharp, uh, all kinds of problems. But this is a big but, by the way, the anointing was all over it. I mean, all over it. So I wrote this in my book, excellence is expected by God, but excellence is not the number one thing we strive for as worshipers. Excellence is number one, but in the world's eyes, it's it's what they want. So like anytime you go to a concert, a club, anytime you go, you know, even that's why, you know, in, in a recording studio, that's why they tune vocals. If you don't know about this, you know, this is something that happens with pretty much everybody that sings professionally. That's why you can go listen to Taylor Swift in concert. She doesn't sound anything like she sounds on the CD or on, uh, you know, on your MP3 on iTunes is because they've tuned her vocals to be exactly on tune. Why? Because they want perfection when they put it, put out the album. That's exactly why. That's why people were all blown away when she was doing all those award shows and singing her songs. And they're like, dude, she's so flat. She's, she's horrible. What happened? Yeah. Well, when you hear somebody in real life, not going through 13, 13 different pieces of digital equipment and plugins and hear what they really sound like in real life blows your mind. But see, these the studios, they want excellence. Everybody wants excellence. In the world, that's the number one goal. Presentation, presentation, presentation. And I'm not saying it's unimportant. It is important. We believe in excellence. We believe in giving God your best. But It's not the number one thing we strive for. The number one thing we strive for is to be anointed by God and be in the presence of the Lord. Notice the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. He didn't say that he only inhabits the praises of his people when everything's on key and when everything's in the right tempo and the tempo tempo doesn't fluctuate. As long as you stay on the click track, that he'll honor the praises of his people or dwell in them. No, he said that he will dwell in or live in or inhabit the praises of his people. There's no, there's nothing in there. In fact, there's only one time in the Bible that, uh, in the Psalms that were commanded to play skillfully on the harp, play skillfully on the harp. That seems to be, and it is mentioned. So I'm not saying it's not a thing. It is mentioned the the, the book of Psalms. I put that in the book, play skillfully on the harp. So we are called to be skillful with what God's given us and develop it and move it forward. But more than that, we've got to be anointed. We've got to be anointed. And we value the anointing above excellence. So the reason I'm bringing that point up is because here's what happens. If you're a church, that that's the method you want to choose. And I'm not belittling you if that's what you want to do. It's your church. You're the leader. If that's what you feel most comfortable with, do it. I'm just giving you kind of the backstory of what I've seen. But what I've run into Is that when you, a lot of these people, when you're engaging with these types of people that are just doing it for the paycheck, that are going around and around and church to church and, you know, I know churches, by the way, that are hiring musicians for their platforms that don't even believe what they believe as a church that don't even hold like literally, it's not that they don't even believe it. They disagree vehemently with what the church believes. So let let me just give you like an example. If you're a Pentecostal church, that would be like hiring a music director for Sunday that you are like fully Pentecostal. I'm talking full gospel, speaking in tongues, believing in divine healing, prosperity, the rest, you know, full gospel. And you hire uh, a music director, somebody to play the keyboard and lead your band and team that... Um, doesn't believe, that's a cessationist, let's say that, like a cessationist, which is someone who doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit um, operates today the same way that he did during the early church with the gifts of the Spirit being in operation, Talk, speaking in tongues is, is no longer... Uh, evident in the church because that has ceased. That's what cessationist is. If you've never heard that term, it's a doctrinal position held by people who don't believe the Holy Spirit is still in operation in the same way today. So you have a lot of like people in the Southern Baptist convention or Presbyterians that believe that, you know, speaking in tongues is not for today. They don't believe in all that. So some of them even hold to the point where they believe if you are quote unquote speaking in tongues, you're demon-possessed. That's a demon manifesting, not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's not doing that anymore. So imagine being a leader of a church who is fully Pentecostal, but because you so desire um, you know, a presentation of excellence and you want the best of the best, you hire somebody, and the person who's sitting on your keyboard Sunday morning is a cessationist who doesn't even believe in the Holy Ghost— and they're trying to lead your team and you you know you if you think this is an extreme example you don't know the church world because this ha- happens often like i could give you five examples off the top of my head of people that i know that it's, ha- it's happening to that they've got people in there that they're paying cuz they're great players great singers whatever but they don't even believe what the pastor preaches imagine being a leader you know, and the move of the spirit's hitting your church. People are speaking in tongues and the person that's leading your praise on the keyboard is thinking to themselves, these people are demon possessed. These people are out of their minds. They think they're speaking in a heavenly language and they're so deceived. They don't even know that that doesn't happen today. What kind of a mixture? I mean, you talk about (laughs) friction on the platform. I mean, we're talking about straight up you know, disagreement. How can there be unity? This is my question with these kinds of setups. How can there be spiritual unity when people refuse to even believe like you believe? And this is something that happens often, by the way, happens often. And so that's number one, doctrinal beliefs are different. But number two, think of it this way. Also, if you've got somebody who comes in and they want to be the star, they're shining, they're getting their money, they're getting paid, they're getting their check. You're only one of 7 churches that they work with throughout a week, so your church really means nothing to them other than a paycheck. In fact, I would uh, encourage everybody that's listening to this go on to YouTube um and check out there's there's a channel on YouTube and there's several people on the channel but uh, I believe it's re- the actual channel itself is run by a guy named Kevin Connolly. It's called pretty simple music and he does like tutorials um, and different things for people on keyboard, shows them how to play things. Uh, once again, it's pretty simple music. The guy, he goes by KC, but his name's Kevin Connolly. And he released a video, I'd say about two weeks ago now at the time of this recording, about two weeks ago. And it's titled Why I Quit Playing Church Gigs. Why I Quit Playing Church Gigs. Now, he's been a music director for a long time. Phenomenal keyboard player. I mean, like, guy's a monster. But I found it very interesting. It's not long. It's only about five and a half minutes. But I want to encourage all of you, if you've not seen that video, go check that video out. Pretty Simple Music, Why I Quit Playing Church Gigs. And listen to what he has to say, because it's actually right on the money Um, He talks about the fact that he was at this church playing and uh, it was a smaller church and uh, he was getting paid every week to be there and do his thing. And the pastor one week calls him into the office and says, listen, Kevin, um, I'm not going to be able to keep paying you like we've been paying you to play the keyboard. And so I just wanted to give you a heads up and let you know And he was, and, you know, he was a little bit like, are you serious? Like he was a little bit ticked off, but then he's like, all right, whatever. And, you know, he just left the church and, and, um, you know, continued doing his thing at other places, but quit coming back to the church. And then the Lord started dealing with Kevin's heart. And he was like, you know what? You left that church, but you need to actually be planted in that church. You actually need to be attending that church. And it like broke him all the way down. And he's like, you know what? And he and obviously thank God that Kevin um, you know, not only heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and hears the voice of the Holy Spirit, but listened and obeyed. And he tells in the video about how he went back to the church and was like, Pastor, you know what? I'm I'm so convicted. I feel like I'm supposed to be at this church. I know you can't pay me. Um I know, you know, all this, he goes through the whole thing. I know you can't pay me and blah, blah, blah. He said, but I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to join Bible studies. I'm supposed to be faithful here. This is where the Lord's calling me to be. And uh, he, he joined back to the church and made it his home church and was faithful, extremely faithful. He's in Georgia. And the pastor came to him afterwards and said, I wanted to let you know that the reason I stopped paying you. Is because Not because the money wasn't there, but because I was wanting to test your heart and see where you were at uh, personally, if your heart was tied to this church, if your heart was tied to this vision, or if you were just coming here for the money. And I found it very interesting that even after he left the church and the Holy Spirit brought him back, see, and he was willing to do it for free, that is what you want. You want to have... And that's the best place for both people to be, the leaders and the musicians and singers, is number one, in this generation, it's more rare than ever before, be faithful to a local church. Be faithful to a local church. You've got to have a church. You know, being in a church service is not the same as being faithful to a local church. So yeah, I'm in in church five times a weekend. It's not the same thing. You're getting paychecks from five different churches and you're only in the service so you can play or sing and get paid. It's not the same. Being submitted to leadership, being in a local church, being faithful to a local church, it's a must. You've got to do it. And these guys, they think that they're being faithful because they're in church five times a week. That's not the case. You need to be planted in the house of God. And you need to have, and you need to be. By the way, where the Holy Spirit leads you to be, and it needs to be a full gospel church where they preach you the whole Word of God. And when you're planted, you need to be faithful. Now, the Bible is very clear. I want to read you a couple of verses because the Bible is very clear about this. Uh, in, for example, in Colossians chapter one and verse sixteen, Paul says, "For through him, speaking of Christ, God created everything." in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Now listen to this. Everything was created through him and for him. So understand, Paul says we were created for God. We were created for God. Adam was created in the likeness and image of God Eve the same, so that God could have fellowship with people who were not forced to worship him. He wanted people that would choose to worship him by free will. We were created for him, for his worship. In fact, Isaiah 43, uh, God's beginning to speak to Israel about the things he's getting ready to do for them. I'm sure you've heard this passage before where God says, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? And he begins to run down all the things he has done for them in the past and what he's about to do for them in the future. He's telling them all these things. And then he says in Isaiah 43, 21, he said, you're the people who I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. That's the, that's Isaiah 43, 21 in the English standard version. He said, you're the people I've formed for myself that they might declare my praise Speaking of Israel in the Old Testament, he said, I made you so that you would declare my praise. In the New Testament, by the way, we are spiritual Israel. Paul said by the spirit of adoption, God has grafted us into the tree. We are now part of the family, even though we weren't born Jewish, we are now spiritual Israel, as much sons and daughters of God as Israel was. And so the same purpose pertains to us. We were created to declare his praise all through the book of Psalms. We're commanded time and time again to praise and worship the Lord. It's not a, we don't get the option we're like, well, you know, I don't think this week I'll be praising the Lord. Actually, I'm taking a week off. No, everybody, every believer is commanded to praise and worship the Lord. It is your reasonable service. The Bible says that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, our bodies. We are a sacrifice. We belong to the Lord. He owns us, by the way. You know, Paul used to teach, and I, I don't even have time to get into this, but to Paul would teach the churches that he was a slave of Christ. Do you know Jesus shed his blood so that he could buy you and own you? Christ owns me. Christ owns you, bought you with his blood. And we don't get a choice as to whether or not we're going to praise him as to whether or not we're going to worship him. He owns us and we're created for him and for his praise and for his worship. So it would be, in my opinion, it's wrong for me to have a gift and say, I'm only going to use this gift if I get paid. The only way I'm using this gift is if I get paid for it. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make a, my gift dependent upon um, whether or not I get a paycheck out of my gift. You know, can you imagine if, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. If I went to my home church and every time I lifted my hands, I made sure I made a note of it in my phone. Every time I sang out with the worship team, made a note of it in my phone, made sure that every time I danced or made sure that every time I lifted my voice and blessed the name of Jesus made a note of it in my phone, and then sent an invoice to the church at the end of the week. Which one did you know? I took time out of my schedule to come to the service this week, and um, I did the calculations. And by, let's see here, 43 hallelujahs, I gave 15 glory to God's, raised my hand seven times, uh, danced once. Yep, band was doing good on that song. I did do a dance. Let's add that in. Yep. That's comes to about $243 and 13 cents. Um, pastor, I'll give you my, my info if you'd like to wire the money or I also use PayPal Venmo and I use the cash app as well. Uh, anyway that you'd like to get the money over to me, I'd appreciate it. Um, Oh wait, hold on a second. I did. I did bring one of my uh, prophetic flags. I wanted to put that in just to make sure next week I'll be uh, bringing my skin tight outfit to do a prophetic dance as well. So prepare for another 500 to go out. I mean, those people are, people are insane. <laughs> you know, I like literally, I know I'm not going to name any names, but I do know, think about this for a second, being at a conference and somebody saying to you, Hey, I know that you're a singer. Why don't you come and bless the people here at the conference?" And uh, just sing a song. Just sing something, one song. You're not there. No one scheduled you to come do a concert. Nobody nobody scheduled you to come do, you know, praise and worship for the conference, blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, why don't you just come sing a song? And the person goes up. This is real, by the way. This is a true story that happens over and over. Person goes up, takes the microphone, sings one song, literally, that lasts at most four minutes. 240 seconds, okay? And when they go back to their seat and sit down in the crowd, they send a text message to the host of the conference and say, here's my bank account information. You can just wire me the honorarium for me singing that song at your conference. What? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Pay you for the 240 seconds that you got up and sang a song unto the Lord, by the way. You're not singing to people. but that That's the big difference. Um, just FYI, preaching is for people. Instruction is for people. Prophecy is for people. Praise and worship is for God. It's not for people. It's for God. So anytime you praise, anytime you worship, it's not for people. It's for God himself. So really... You're going to sing a song for 240 seconds and then immediately send your bank account information to the host of the conference so that they can wire you an honorarium. This is the problem. And I'm just telling you, this is what, because no longer has, people are no longer looking at their gifts and talents as from God or for God. It's now my own, um, what's the best way to say it? These are now, this is my own skill, this is my own ability that I'm prancing around the country and expecting to be paid for. And once again, I'm not talking about churches that have people faithful to their church that the church decides to bless them. That's a whole nother ball game altogether. And I don't disagree with it. I don't disagree with it. What I don't want to happen is I don't want us to have churches where what we're expecting God to do is thwarted. Because we have egos on the platform that are not in unity, because we have people that are all uh, about themselves, they're more in love with getting a paycheck than they are worshiping the Lord. You know, I remember, (laughs) it's my reasonable service. So for example, I remember recently, I think this was last year, I went to a conference and um, it was my time away from, you know, because I'm in church almost every single night as any other evangelist would probably is. And preaching and going after it hardcore. And I scheduled to be at a conference to just sit and receive, to just be a part of it, to enjoy, be with my wife and, uh, and be in the presence of God as he moved. And I got a message from the person who, uh, was running the conference and they said, Hey, I know I heard you're coming. I would really appreciate it if you would uh, sit in with the band every single night and play and be, be part of the band. Well, you know, I'm not going to write a message back and say, well, let me just tell you a couple of things. Uh, Could you just send me your email address uh, so I could send my rider over Um, because I really would like you to, uh, there's a few things I I expect if I'm coming to play. Uh, I need a few things. Uh, I need to make sure that there's room temperature water bottles by the keyboard or organ wherever you're having me play. Um, I need to make sure that you have uh, not just any type of water bottle, but I I, I expect a certain brand because my throat is very delicate. um, And so I I do need a certain brand. Um, I'd also like to request from you uh, a certain type of candy that I enjoy in between sets that if you could just shoot that over, you know, it's like ridiculous. It's like, who do you think you are? I did not write him back. And say, yeah, it's going to cost you this much per service to have me playing with your band. You know, I've, I don't know if you know this, but I've played in some of the largest churches around the world, and it was an—it's really an honor for you to have me there. No, I just got my butt to church, on time, ahead of time, learned the songs, got the chord charts, sat down with the band, put the in ears in, listened, played, worshipped, praised, and went and sat down and got preaching. Because. It's my gift, but it's not mine. It came from God and it was f- put in me for him. And I don't charge God <laughs> to use the gift he gave me. It's ridiculous. That's a whole other thing. If you're a pastor and you've got people in your church that are, you know, faithful to your church and they're so faithful and you know that they're volunteering and that they're giving their time coming from, you know, spending time away from their family, when they've worked all week, they're coming, spending four or five hours, you know, in practices and rehearsals and band practice, choir practice and all the different things. And if you feel like, you know what, I really, really appreciate them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bless their family. I'm going to give them something. I'm going to pay them. That's, that's a whole nother story because we're talking about people who have not asked for anything. These are people that are willing to do what God's called them to do and use their gift and talent. And I I realize there may be people that are going to listen to this podcast and disagree with me for whatever reason. I'd love to hear from you. If you have disagreements with what I'm saying, send me a message. I'd love to hear it because I'm seeing this as a this is something that, in my opinion, is uh, an epidemic that's running throughout America. And you've got people that are running around and they don't care about the visions of the churches. They don't care about what God's called the pastor to do. They're there for their hundred to $250 to play the keyboard. They could care less if they see miracles, if they see salvations, if they see things, you know, they don't care. If you want to be a professional musician, then really work at it and go play in studios. Get on tour. Do whatever, I mean, do whatever you have to. If you really want to make money, like I know guys that make money, money, you know, not just money, 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 playing their instrument. I know guys that play in studios that are making money, you know, but don't use church as an excuse to make a low amount of money because you don't want to develop your gift to the place where you can really make money and just take God's money and not be faithful to any church. You've got to understand that God is, is looking for a certain type of spirit. He's looking for a humble and a meek spirit. Not somebody, and I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm not claiming that every person that gets paid, you know, running around to churches has a love of money. But I'm saying, what does it, What type of a worship atmosphere does that create? When you have people that their first thing on their mind is, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's?" I've been around those people. I don't want to be around them ever again. You know, I've seen the riders that some people send ahead that are famous people. You know, if you've got a 50-page rider that you're sending to a place about what type of a hotel room you need and which direction it needs to face. You think I'm joking? I know people that send that stuff. My 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 the I need a corner room in the hotel and the windows need to face to the north and I need a blender that's brand new in my room that's not been opened, and I need fresh fruit and freshly cut flowers, and I need green M&Ms in a jar. Separate all the other M&Ms out because the green represents the growth that God's doing in my ministry. I hear nobody. I mean, you'd you'd be... Can I tell you, there are people that have sent riders ahead who expect the church to to put a certain type of toilet paper in their hotel room. I cannot come worship unless you're able to get triple ply toilet paper for me because I feel like, with the type of gift that I have, I shouldn't be relegated to using single ply. I need somebody from your church to go to Walmart and buy this brand of toilet paper, take it to my hotel, check me in. And then before I get there, change out all the toilet papers. Like literally, this is real. I'm not joking. This is real stuff. And what ends up happening is it's pride. That is pride. It's pride. It's nothing else. It's pride. You think it's not pride? It's pride. You're not a rock star. You are a worshiper, not a rock star. Get your own toilet paper. you ever think of that? Believe God for your own five dollars and forty nine cents to go to Walmart on rollback and get yourself your own triple ply, you know, toilet paper. Go buy your own M and M's. Separate them out yourself. I don't know who. It's it blows my mind who people think they are. It blows my mind. You're going to put that demand on other people. It's, it's, it's insane. What type of worship are we creating? Because here's the thing. God says through his word, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, which means we have to do it with the anointing and with the, with the doctrinal correctness of his word. If we want to see supernatural things take place the moment, here's where I'll finish. The moment you allow pride to creep into your worship environment, God can no longer work. Why do I say that? The Bible says that God resists the proud, actively resists the proud, but gives more favor or grace to the humble. He resists the proud and gives more grace and favor to the humble. If you allow pride to come into your team, it destroys the functionality of your team. And as a result, what ends up happening is the spirit of God cannot move where there's double mindedness and the supernatural aspect of your worship is gone. Like the, the, the kind of things that we're seeing happen where blind people are being healed instantly while the worship, I could give you multiple testimonies that have been taking place during praise and worship. Literally a guy that was deaf and blind on the same side of his head. Because of a bad surgery while we were praising and worshiping God. No one laid hands on him. No one anointed him with oil. While we're worshiping and praising, they came open his ear and his eye. He started shouting. The guy in front of him had been in a car accident and was on crutches because his back was messed up and his legs were messed up. At the same time, that guy got healed while we're praising and worshiping. This guy threw his crutches down and ran around the church. Supernatural praise and worship that break the chains. I was in North Carolina. And uh, I was praising and I was having a healing service one night, but before I took the mic to preach, I sat down at the keyboard and just began to praise and worship. And I went down the line at the end of the service after I had preached, prayed for everybody I was coming to the end of the line. And there was an elderly guy and his wife standing there and he's smiling real big at me. He, I, I said, brother, what do you want God to do for you? He said, well, I came to the service tonight. Ask, I was asking God to open my deaf ears. He said, but as you begin to praise and worship tonight, before you started preaching, while we were praising, worshiping, God touched me. My ears instantly came open. So I just came down to give you the testimony. Super. This is what we're shooting for. The anointing that'll break the yoke of bondage on our praise and on our worship. And it doesn't come through pride. And it doesn't come from that mindset that you're a star and that you're there to be, you know, it's, it's. It comes from the humility of saying, God, you gave me this gift. Now I'm going to give it back to you with such vehemence and diligence that you would come by your mighty power and break every yoke of bondage that's been hanging around your people. We've got to come back to a meek and a humble spirit and take the gifts and the talents God's given us and use them for him. God will bless us for that. There will be. The Bible says that God doesn't withhold any good thing from people who walk uprightly. That's Psalm 84, 11. Give yourself to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and every woman listening to the podcast today. I pray that you would put deposit in every one of us a meek and a humble spirit, a desire to serve you with the gifts and the talents that you've put on the inside of our hearts and in our lives and in our hands. And as we worship you and as we praise you, give you what you gave to us, I pray that you would open the windows of heaven and let supernatural things begin to take place through a new generation of worshipers and praisers in this nation and around the world in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen, I want to encourage you before we go today. If you've not gotten a chance to check out my online course on uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology, I want you to check it out at miraclewordu.com, Miracle Word University online. It'll only it's only $69 course, 5 hours of teaching, I believe, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us as worshipers and praisers need to be involved with the power of the Holy Ghost at a greater level. Go to MiracleWordU.com, check it out. Pneumatology One, it will be a massive blessing to you. Listen, until next Monday, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.MiracleWord.com.